when Lovecraft leaves you loveless. Held. helicopter begins to spiral out of control as the creature crashes into the side of it. Its giant talons tear gouges in the windshield, and the helicopter blades cut into its leg but snap as this creature is just too massive for it to, to truly put down. What do you do? I open a crate at the side of the helicopter and produce rope. And I scramble out onto the helicopter's top and try to tether the the creature talon first to the helicopter. What is it you're trying to accomplish with this so I can tell you whether or not it's a dumb idea before you do it? I'm going to make it so that the bird has to carry us. Okay, um, that's probably not going to work. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to spitball some things here, but if the bird is strong enough to carry an entire helicopter, which it may be, the rope definitely isn't. Do you still want to continue, Father O'Malley? I still don't want to die. Okay, roll to act under pressure. All right. Well, a four and a four is an eight. Plus my cool of one is a nine. But the Game Masters being what they are gave us a wonderful out. I'm going to spend a point of luck. Woo! Am I mistaken in that Father O'Malley has a plus one forward from earlier on? I did have a plus one forward um, from a while ago, but I I don't know if it's gone out of vogue because it was from two sessions ago now. What was it from? Uh, It was from me making the comment that Trevor missed the forest for the trees. Since you are about to crash into the forest, I will let you keep this plus one so that you can also miss the trees. Oh, so that would make my initial roll a ten? Yes. All right, so I won't use my point of luck. Okay, you are lashing the helicopter to the bird. Gentlemen, I have all the faith in the world that our father above will... Uh, help see us through uh, with this maneuver, but any additional help you might be able to come up with would certainly be welcome. As O'Malley is saying this, the bird is trying to crack open this giant nut to feast on its chewy insides while midair. So, whatever you'd like to do should probably happen quick. Um, I get out of my chair. I go back to a compartment in the back of the helicopter. I reach into the closet and I produce four extra parachutes. And I say, here you go, gents. And I flap mine around my shoulders and say, watch how it's done. And then I jump out the door. Bye. Okay. You are pretty low to be jumping out of a helicopter without a parachute. No, no, with a parachute. 
That's what I said with a parachute. Oh, okay. Parachutes need a lot of time to, like, slow your descent. And you weren't, like, soaring through the air. You were choppering towards a mountain peak. True. However, parachutes also have this really cool thing where they attach to, like, tree limbs and stuff and get you hung up. Yeah, so I'd like you to roll to act under pressure. I can do that. But don't tell us the result yet. We will come back to you. Everybody still on the helicopter. I reach into my suitcase and I pull out a long, very long, uh, about baguette length bread roll. And I take a bite out of it. That is fine. I speak a bit of Latin. Unfortunately, I, the player, don't know any Latin. And then break the bread in half. This is where you tell me to roll plus weird. Well, you have to tell me what you're doing first. As I break this loaf of bread in half, the crumbs that break from the center, instead of falling down with gravity, affix to my person. Specifically around my torso area, beneath my arms, above my waist. And begin to make me feel lighter. Now is when you roll plus weird. Alrighty. Oh, okay. Uh, a four and a one is a five. Plus my weird of two brings me up to a seven. So we've got a glitch. What sort of glitch do we have today? Uh, the glitch is that the effect is weakened. And the effect that I am trying to have is to do one thing that is beyond human limitations. Fly. So, with your weak effect, you are flying. But very slowly. You are flying at about the same speed that you walk. I am going to hop out. And begin to walk fly to the ground. Father O'Malley. Well... You know, I have some moral quandaries given uh, given the things that I've told members of my flock in the past, but there's a time to trust in the Lord. And so I reach into my pocket and I produce a small cigarette case. And I open it, and inside is another one of the herbal cigarettes that Grandmother gave me the last time we were on this mountain that helped me land safely. Uh, which I got from her the last time we were on Atuin. I pull it out. I light it up. And I hope that these herbs aren't as potent as the ones Trevor had a few days ago. I'm going to have you roll to use magic also. Okay. Alright. A six and a two is an eight. Plus my weird of zero is an eight. You begin falling, but not super fast. And when you collide with the trees and the ground, it hurts, but it doesn't deal any damage. Trevor, what was your roll? I rolled double sixes. So you land perfectly fine. You dust yourself off. You're feeling great. Do you have act under pressure as an advanced move? I do. I would like that something extra to be my parachute, having been caught by the trees so as to perform a landing spot for my friends. 
Yes. Cool. Father O'Malley and Izzy land right next to you. Oh, no, we forgot about Og. Well, I gave him a parachute, and I said, watch how it's done, and it jumped out of the thing. Unless he stayed up there for a snack. Well, he's a big boy, and certainly is able to handle himself fine in a dangerous scenario. After all, he lives with the both of you, more or less. Oh, the bird is still trying to eat whatever's in there as it flies into the horizon. Meanwhile, you hear something growling in the underbrush. And I look to see what it is. Roll to read a bad situation. Okay. Well, two to two is a four. And my read a bad situation is sharp for a two, which makes it a six. A mastodon charges from the underbrush. Aw, he's carrying my experience point. What a swell fellow. He hits you with it. Uh, take three harm. Armor defeating? No. Hooray! As he tramples you underfoot. Would any of the rest of you like to do something about this? I'd like to pull Trevor out from under its foot. Yeah, you can remove him from underneath the mammoth. Mastodon. I'm not sure exactly what the difference is, but it's a really big fur-covered elephant of some kind. So the mastodon has charged onto the scene, has it? Oh, it's very aggressive. You have invaded its mating grounds. I thought I smelled something funny. Oh, you're more trouble than you're worth, and I reach into my suitcase and retrieve... Damn it, another book. I put the book back, and I retrieve a... Fingerful of rings. Golden rings. Simple rings. The same rings I have used previously. And I spin them on my fingers as larger magical golden rings shoot out towards the mammoth. About to wrap its legs and its trunk into a singular location. Roll to use magic. A four and a three is a seven, plus my weird of two is a nine. And what's your glitch? I think it's time to have a nice, fun, problematic side effect. The large glowing rings encircle the mammoth and hold it in place. But the noise from the magic emanating them is loud. And does not sound too dissimilar to a wildebeest giving birth. You feel as though more predators may be on their way. I do be good and get Trevor out of there. I'm sure the hoof print is going to buff out over time, but we need to leave. Why do you think I'm trying to remove Trevor from under the thing's foot? Yes, I'm saying to do it faster. Yes, I, I'm being as expedient about it as I can. If you want to help at any point... And I get up! And up you get. Oh, dust myself off. Hey, man, thanks. I needed that hand. And I look around in circles, and I think, what direction is the direction we're supposed to head in? Up the mountain. Up we go. You made it most of the way there before you were attacked by a giant bird. That's okay. Come on, gents. Into the wild blue yonder. And at a brisk but not frantic pace, up the mountain we go. Yes. I am, of course, abusing my 
magical flight by simply walking over any uh, troublesome shrubbery or overgrowth or rocks. Just enjoying my trip up with the boys. So what are we doing to avoid attention on the trip up? You're pretty sure you've seen some Velociraptor eggs. Well, I dive into a bush and shimmy around to pull it up from its root system and grab a bunch of pine needles and roll them around and fasten them to my pants and my shirt. And I have a makeshift ghillie suit. Ta-da! Now when I hear something, I just crouch in a little ball. And I look like a bush. And the rest of you? I'm just... Making haste and... Uh, praying for the best. You're pretty sure your prayers are about as effective as Trevor's ghillie suit. I forgot mud on my face. And I put some mud on my face. I was about to say, damn, that's a pretty good guilty suit. And you, Izzy. What do you bring to the table? Uh, I bring to the table verticality by being able to be at the tree line and above it or below it as the current threat assessment need be. I think that is actually the most effective method you have of avoiding encounters is the guy flying up ahead who can say, hey, let's cut right so we don't run into that giant um, glyptodon. Of course. These two love it when I tell them what to do, so that's where I belong. After following Izzy's orders for the better part of three hours, you make it to the former campsite. In the center, where the ritual that stole the heart of the homeless druid. Uh, Barty something. Russo. Barty Crouch. No, not Barty, Barty Crouch. Russo. Barty Russo. Barty Russo. <laughs> yeah. Every time you said his name, I thought Barty Crouch. Then I'm like, no, that's Barty Russo. Um, but yes, this is where you failed to save him. Oh, so many months ago. Where he was killed. I don't know what you're talking about, as I had nothing to do with that. No, but... If you could just stop sprinkling salt on that open wound, that'd be swell. Thanks. In the center is an enormous tree that reaches hundreds of feet into the air. Is there a face on it? There is not. Feel more magical than the rest of the trees? Roll to use magic. Ooh. Well, five and a five is a ten. <laughs> My weird of one makes it an eleven. So close, because I was also specialized in that. <laughs> Somebody help well, me. Well, with... With an 11, is, is that the, the final answer there? I mean, as long as nobody helps me, it is. I mean, I think it's going to be kind of hard for them to help you just, like, feeling out magic. But that's okay. Um, yes, it seems like there is an immense source of magic here. And it's not just from the tree, it's from the ground, it's from all around. Well, this is where the ley line was, so I guess it was kind of a waste of a good roll. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I'm not the brains of this operation. Oh, you do get a little bit more information is there is a rumbling pulse that just expands from 
the area and rolls outward along the ley lines as you see another surge of growth. Are the pulses periodic? Are they akin to a heartbeat? Yes, there are small pulses at a very regular interval, every couple of seconds. And maybe every minute or so, there's a larger pulse. Well, despite everything, I do still have some... Uh, starting to get a bit smelly uh, dried bubblegum behind my ears and tucked away in a corner of my mouth. And so I try to talk to this big tree. This big tree is not sentient. Ah, so this is the tree with a heart. But not the tree with the brain. Not that the one with the brain was using it very much. Looking around the mountaintop where we are, I find a patch of particular flowers. And I sit cross-legged in the field of them, turning one of the cups up to my mouth, and I say, I understand that I am not my ally, the brave knight Sir Osmond, but, fair lady Titania, if my words can reach you, it is I, Father Donald O'Malley, and there is a great bloom of nature I cannot explain, and any help that you could give me, even understanding what's happening, I beseech you. Roll to use magic. A five and a four is a nine, plus my weird of zero is a nine. So, with a nine, you need to pick one of the glitches. I am going to take one harm, ignoring armor. The flower sprouts thorns that sink into your flesh, and as it does, you hear thoughts in your head. Greetings, good sir, knight. Hello, uh, fair lady. My words may have difficulty finding their way to you. There is some kind of power there I cannot manifest through it I understand I, I, what I can tell you is that uh, our organization encountered a man named Jacob Early um, unfortunately his life came to an end and when it did it unleashed a number of terrible powers into the world one was a beautiful young woman who looked similar to you in, in that she was uh, a, a being of flana and a, a being of fauna and she sang flora, flora yes I, flora is plants I apologize it's been a long week uh, she sank into the earth and then massive vegetation started to grow outward in a in a wave, it's reached L.A., and uh, I'm just not certain what kind of entity it is we could be dealing with or how we might be able to reason with it. I do recognize the name. Jacob Early. I believe he was a sworn servant of my sister. Your sister, you say? Uh, who is she? 
Queen Mab, the Winter Lady. I see. Could you please roll to investigate a mystery to see how much information I can bestow upon you? All right. That is a five and a four, which is a nine. And my sharp, I believe, is a one, uh, which it is for a ten. I will answer two questions off of the list for you. I... I see. Um... Yes, I am only allowed by the laws of our kind to provide you with such answers in repayment for services rendered. As such, this will be a gift from me to you in recognition of the duties you have performed. One question belongs to you and one question belongs to Trevor Ebbs. So what is it that you think happened here? Nature is not kind. It is a savage beast, as brutal as it is beautiful. There are those today who forget this and see it as something that has been tamed. But long ago, there were powerful beings that embodied the fury and rage of the natural world. It seems as though Jacob Early had stolen the heart of one, and upon his death, the creature sprang back into being, and in its rage, has expanded its influence. This appears to be an act of malice and revenge, as the kind of magic that could perform such things would not be sustainable by creatures of any power. All right. Um, if it should come to confrontation, what can we do to harm this thing? Much like the creatures of the Feylands, she should be weakest against items that symbolize the modern world. Things that are powerful reminders of man's domination over nature. These such items should be able to injure even a lesser goddess such as this. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with and advise us. I have done all I can. Be well. You as well. And the thorns vanish. Well, gentlemen, I just used our phone a friend. Welcome, folks, to the middle of the episode. Um, if we seem disheartened, it's because we just went through some very terrible one-liners from both Matt and Gavin. And I'm not sure I want to continue the podcast anymore. Life has no meaning anymore. Don't listen to him. He's just jealous. Anyway, if you've still listened 
through all of that, welcome to your mid-episode reminder that you can check out the Umbral Theater presents Expeditions of the Extra Normal everywhere. You get your quality podcasts, whether it be Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, we're there, and we would appreciate and love any feedback you give us if you want to like, subscribe, if you want to leave a rate or a comment. Um, all that helps us out a lot. Um, we really appreciate you, our loyal listeners who have followed us now through 43 episodes. We still got more to come, too, so despite the fact that I said I hate these people and don't want to continue recording podcasts with them at the beginning of this mid, they're still my friends and we're going to still keep going. Also, don't forget to check us out on our Twitter account, at Umbral Theater. And on our Twitch account at twitch.tv slash theumbraltheater. Furthermore, we're going to start airing episodes of our Curse of Strahd game. Just around the corner. Pirates and Strahd, how do they mix? Spoiler alert, it's with boats. <laughs> Find out the juicy details right here in the same location that you get your podcasts. And now, back to the show. You've been given some information by the Lady Titania. How are you going to use it? Well, gents, according to the Lady Titania, we need symbols of man's dominance over nature as our best weapons against this creature, which is apparently some kind of primordial nature spirit who was captured and enthralled by Jacob Early. But we could try parlaying first. Ebbs. Yeah? Go knock on that tree. Okie dokie. And I give it the old shaven haircut. The ground rumbles. A much larger pulse than any you've felt so far has erupted and you can hear animals calling out from all directions great big bellowing sounds the vibrations carry through the air to you and you can almost feel the heat hey izzy you commune with things what did they say what did they say you can communicate with... What's the wording of this ability? I communicate with something that I do not share a language with. And I use okay. that on a tree. Yes, um, you use that on a sentient tree that was trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. um, these animals, um, they are replying to a call for help. Well, it appears they are replying to a call for help, a bit of a distressing call of sorts that was sent out and is now being returned in kind with, I'll show up, I'll show up. So I believe the course of action is to prepare our torches and pitchforks before the rest of the forest does for us. Well, before that, hold tight one moment. And I reach into my pocket and I pull out my white handkerchief and I hold it above my head and... I declare for anyone listening, my name is Father Donald O'Malley. I am an agent of Almighty God. I have come under a flag of parley to see if we can't resolve the issues that exist between our worlds. I promise you, so long as this flag flies, 
there will be no intended harm towards you or any of your minions. However, I believe we need to discuss what recompense can be made for the vile actions of Jacob Early. Izzy, you get the overwhelming sensation of a single thought flowing through the land around you. And that thought has just marked Father O'Malley as prey. The thought of parlay is uh, really nice, a very endearing thing. But all you've really done is just mark yourself as the first thing to get chewed up by literally everything in this entire forest. I take it that means that my offer has been rejected? The offer has been rejected, the flag has been torn down and stamped into the dirt, and your name cast out from all to see. Also, they're probably going to eat you until you're nothing but bones, and then find something to do with the bones. Well, so much for the diplomatic approach. I place my handkerchief back in my pocket. Hey, so... No, wait. Wait. I remove my crucifix from around my neck. I face the tree, and I say... Almighty God made man to subdue the earth, and then I shove my crucifix into the tree. Please describe your crucifix to me. Um, it is uh, innate and golden, and uh, has a depiction of um, Jesus being crucified. Uh, it sits upon a fine golden chain and uh, was a blessed gift given to me by the pontiff himself. Izzy, you feel a sensation of rage flow through the area. Well, you've made the forest angry. But by all means, keep going. I'm curious to see what else it can do for you. Izzy, could you lend me your hammer? I reach into my suitcase and retrieve a book. It is a hardcover book that is about one and a half times the thickness of any phone book. I'm about to put it back, and I stop and look at the father and raise an eyebrow offering it. I think the hammer might work better. Ah, well, suit yourself. Nathaniel Hawthorne is really sturdy and rigid to work with anyway. And I retrieve a hammer. Describe the hammer. The hammer is very, very simple. It is a wooden-handled, uh, metal-headed, and flat. It is a blacksmith's hammer. There is a shortening on one side for a smaller, more rounded head, as opposed to the larger, flatter surface of its other head. And I hand the hammer to the father. And what do you do with this hammer? I pull it back, and I begin quoting the following. And with each verse of the Bible, I use the hammer to drive my crucifix further into the tree. And I say, And God said, Let us make man in our image, 
after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion. You are interrupted. Take two harm defeating armor, as this wild, bramble-covered, naked female spirit erupts from the tree, driving her claws into your chest. They pass through your armor as though it wasn't there. She screams a primal roar that echoes through the mountains and dozens of terrifying seven-foot brightly colored birds with wicked talons erupt from the forest surrounding you. What do you do? I look her in the eye. Just remember, at the end of this, I offered parlay. And then I roll, I grab her throat and roll over on top of her and drive my elbow into what I assume is her sternum. Roll to kick some ass. All right, a five and a six is an 11, plus my tough of three is a 15. Ooh. Kick some ass is an advanced move in my playbook. And as my additional effect, um, I am going to choose to suffer no harm. You smash into her, and the force of your blow drives her away, and she slips into the ground. The birds, meanwhile, charge in with their talons flashing. Gentlemen, I believe we're in for a fight. And um, with that, I'm going to attempt to do a back roll uh, away from their talons so as they come in, they hit the ground and not me. Well, I mean, the other thing you could do is, is let some other players do some things. Okay, they can do that too. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to dominate everything. <laughs> I... I, I expected them to, you know, ch chime in and say something. No, he's been on a roll. So, you know, just let it ride. Yeah. Seeing some of the birds start to make their way towards me, I reach back into the briefcase quickly and procure one of the beverages that I had previously kept incredibly cold. And it continues to be cold. But there is no cork. And inside there is, in fact, no liquid dripping out. And in the ground that is between myself and the oncoming avian menace, I throw the bottle to the ground, where it, almost like a grenade, explodes and expands into this glass-like wall of ice. Sounds like you want to roll to use magic. Uh, in fact, that is my combat magic. So Ooh. I am, in fact, trying to kick some ass. Roll to kick some ass. And as this is a 
ice wall that I am using. I will be using my weird instead of my tough for kick some ass. A three and a six, total nine. Plus my weird of two makes for eleven. Okay, what effect does this have? Uh, it is a zero harm, three armor, magical barrier. And you throw this up, and these birds start crashing into it, and slashing at it and clawing at it. But they are not yet able to penetrate it. Ebbs? You know, a wise bear once told me that only I could stop forest fires. Which implies that I can also start forest fires. <laughs> so I'm going to start a couple forest fires. As I duck out of the way of whatever creature comes after me, I reach in my pockets and take out my lighter, and I start lighting the underbrush. Because Just like here, holding a, a lighter to it. No, no. See, in the mountains of California are eucalyptus trees that we got from Australia. And eucalyptus sap is super flammable, which is why they get fires every year that are really, really bad. So... You know, if I light a couple of their leaves on fire, they're just going to go whoosh. And, uh, you know, whoosh. Yeah, so I'm going to have you roll to act under pressure, I suppose. Okay. Well, a four to four is an eight. And my act under pressure is one for a nine. Okay, you are going to take three harm from birds clawing and slashing at you. Armor defeating? No. Oh, good, good. And you're able to start some fire. Please roll to read a bad situation. Okay. Well, snake eyes aren't good for my eyes. A fire that very, very quickly spreads. Father O'Malley, back to you. Uh, the birds are the birds still coming at me, or do they hit Izzy's wall? I, Izzy, where did you place your wall? Well, assuming that we were in somewhat of a triangular position, the fire was away from the three of us and towards creatures that would be attacking us from my side of the triangle. I'm not sure that answers the question. It would have been away from Trevor Ebbs. Okay. So you are placing it to defend yourself and O'Malley? Yes. Very good. All right. Well, if the um, if the birds are at bay, I'm just going to drive my sword into the heart of the tree. You stab the sword into the tree and don't penetrate it very far. Good thing I have this hammer. You begin hammering the sword in? Yes. The ground begins to shake. It's all very impressive, but you really should have listened. Izzy. Yes. You are not sensing anything but wild emotion from the spirit. Father O'Malley keeps trying to talk to it. You're not sure if it understands. Fairly certain that for all your provocation and 
attempts of reasoning and taking higher ground, I don't believe she's even able to understand what you're saying. Everything's all primal rage and screaming and... How dare you not be hugging this tree, rah! Well, unfortunately, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I return to hammering my sword into the tree. Okay, I need just a second. As you're hammering away, the ground rumbles again. And bursting through the trees is an enormous 20-foot-tall hornless rhinoceros creature that steps forward and reaches down with its head and smashes through the ice wall. The birds begin their attack anew. I quickly reach back into my suitcase and procure a few ice balls that had previously been used to keep some very nice whiskey very cool. And I spin one around on my fingers as it begins to expand and grow into yet another wall of ice to put between myself and them. Is this the same effect? Yes, it is. Trevor? Um, the fire is keeping the birds at bay from you. Hooray! But it is spreading uncontrollably. Well, this enormous 20-ton creature that has just arrived is seemingly ignoring it. The thing about nature is that man tamed it. And this might not be a wild stallion, but it is wild, and I'm going to tame it. So I reach into the ether and pull out my whippy chain sword and run towards the creature. Then with a daring jump... I throw my sword around past its face and give it a quick yank so that I catch it on the other side and land on its back like I've got it in a set of reins. And I'm going to attempt to tame it. Okay, you're going to need definitely to roll to act under pressure here. I'm not. I'm going to spend a point of luck to make it happen. I have one left now. Uh, you should roll first. Okay. Because you can spend luck afterwards, and if you boxcars this... I've just... I've only failed six rolls tonight. I was just kind of worried and, you know, hedging my bet, I guess. But, yes. Well, a four and a two is a six. And any one of my stats could make that a seven. Or an eight. So, I shall use the point of luck. Okay, there you go. You are on top of this thing. And you have a sort of a reins around its neck. What are you doing with this creature? Well, as it bucks and moves and stuff, I kind of like yank on it and pull it and assert dominance because I'm going to... It's not to... bucking and moving a whole lot. It is 20 tons. It kind of is lumbering and plodding and crashing. It's not nimble like a horse. This thing makes an elephant look like a dancer. That's okay. I will steer it into the tree to make it hit it. We need to damage and the tree. It crashes into the tree. There's a snapping sound. And the tree begins to fall. As it does, you hear a screeching noise from far up above. 
where you see a familiar giant bird. But the tree comes crashing down. And where it stood is an enraged, fuming spirit. Also, as the tree falls, in the distance you hear... <laughs> 